0: part of it's just legacy for me you know just wanting to be this generation's jay-z or dr dre i feel like i can rule the world i know i could be what i want to i put my all in it like my days off on a road travel never looking back
1: do you know anything about this podcast do you know anything about um the hustle what, what's your context here because we know i mean i know everything about you Alone, yeah. I mean, um,
0: I, I, I'm pretty up to speed, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on the, my first million podcasts, but, um, <laughs> but I know, I That's know cool. Sam, I know you from some Gary V videos and, um, uh, have, have watched you yeah. and yeah, just Jeff has spoken super highly of you and, uh, yeah, excited to, excited to be on the podcast and, and learn what it's all about.
1: Well, yeah. So I can give you the, the, the... which I'll give you the short rundown. But I'll say that whenever we talk about numbers, I feel pretty proud of them. And then I talk to you and I'm like... Fuck. Yeah, that's not that interesting. (laughs) So like, so anyway, The Hustle got like 2 million subscribers and uh, read by those folks each day to get their business news. And then we have a bunch of other businesses uh, that are uh, subsidiaries. We have this thing called Trends where we analyze cool companies. We have this podcast, which um, uh, Sean started, but we just sold the company for uh, a a fair bit of money to HubSpot like uh, 60 days ago now, 30 days ago. And Sean had a company that he sold to twitch uh, or amazon yeah um so that's kind of like our 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 experience here which is actually similar to you jeff i, I think that jeff you and i and sean are, are a little bit similar but uh jake like when we say our numbers of like
0: x he's, millions he's of like, people he's this, like I'm that's like, cute. no
2: five million downloads no, that's yeah. cute i remember i farted once and <laughs> got five million downloads no, I,
0: I i actually don't think that <laughs> i look at people who have niche followings almost as more powerful because it's what What audience are you influencing over, and you know are they right. are they listening to what you're saying? you know can you move them into different segments like there there's people who have maybe ten thousand followers like I know this this yoga instructor she has ten thousand followers, but she has like a course where a thousand people or or two thousand people are paying her to teach them yoga so do do you
1: do for for some of these YouTube folks, so what, what we're going to talk about today, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about you, uh, Boxing. So oddly enough, uh, Ben... At, so we have this thing called Trends, where we have a team of analysts who break down interesting companies. And then we have a community where people discuss it. Ben is a paying member of that group. Um, I think Jeff either... I think you... I don't know if you're a paying member, but I invited you to it. And I commented I, in the group, I go, Hey, I'm interviewing Jake. He just launched this, uh, this fund uh, <laughs> with Jeff, who's another member and uh he's they're gonna be investing in x y and z and we're gonna interview them in a couple days which we ask them and ben was the top comment he commented right away what did he say ask him why he's such a jackass
2: no, he, like ask him why he sucks which is like classic, <laughs> classic <laughs> ben Askren shit talk i love I mean, it
3: we can answer <laughs> that question but i invited him to make money on both sides right he's gonna make a a little bit of money from the fight and we'll help invest that money and make him even more money right like i think uh I mean, Jake has obviously a personal uh, tie in here, but I think we're all about business and, and making people money here with anti-fund.
1: Yeah, and, and and it was just funny how like, you know, usually Sean and I are like, we like MMA and stuff. And we talk about that and then we have uh, tech over here. It's like, oh my gosh, this yeah, is all once one Once in a while now. on the it's pod, kind of we'll funny. do
2: like a fighting section at the last five minutes of just shit we're nerding out about. And uh, nobody listens to it and like nobody gives a fuck because our, our audience is all business people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's me and Sam's little time that we have at the end. But um, I wanna talk about yeah. three things. So, first, uh, the, I guess the headline stuff, which is you got a big fight coming up. I think it's next week, right? So next Saturday. Yeah,
1: six days
0: from now. It? Yeah. Six
2: days from now. All right, cool. Um, the second, and so
0: that's on Triller, right? Yeah, TrillerFightClub.com if anyone wants to order it.
2: And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it because uh, A I'm a fight fan, but B this is one where it's actually very interesting because normally, like okay, I'm gonna talk about your brother for a second. So so your brother Logan Paul was scheduled or is scheduled to fight Floyd Mayweather, which is like you know it's call a spade a spade. It's a pretty fucking lopsided matchup. You got the greatest boxer ever, probably never been never been beat, never been knocked down, uh, going against somebody who's you know a, a, a very much an amateur and has made their made their name in in entertainment more so than anything else but you versus ben is like actually something i've gotten into many debates about because you've legit been training for years ben is kind of like the worst boxer (laughs) in, in mma and so you sort of take a guy who's was a champion level fighter but not a great boxer against a guy who's actually getting pretty fucking good at boxing and put them together and so there's there's actually uh, it's pretty torn. Dana White, I think bet a million dollars on Ben Askren. He didn't even like Ben Askren. So, so the, the MMA guys are really trying to back him up, but I think that's a super interesting fight. That's coming up. Sam, are you into this? Yeah,
1: I, 100%. I just uh, watched you're friends uh, with, Lo,
2: Logan's podcast with Ben. You're friends uh, with Ben and you have like your Midwestern, like you love Midwestern guy. You love Ben. We have Jake here right in your face. Do you have Sam? Who, who do you,
3: who do you favor here? Dude, Sam and I have a prop bet. What is the this? bet? You want to talk yeah, about like the bed? And and like put it on record, record here, Sam. Next week,
0: it. Sam's not going to have any hair. Ah, what
2: are, you know about this? What, oh what my gosh! That? So, yes, um, you shaving your head? If you, if you, shaving my
1: head? Wait, yeah, is your hair thinning, Jeff? Because mine is a little bit, and I'm, I'm like, I made this bet, and I saw, um, I started doing research and watching Jake Spar and stuff. You got nervous. And <laughs> I heard. I was like, oh, my God, I, I wish I would Wait, have just so you, money. You, <laughs> money. You
0: made your assumption before watching any footage or, or looking into it? Emotional bet. Yeah,
1: I, I, I did it purely on emotion <laughs> because we had Ben on prior, and I like Ben. I mean, I, I, I don't know you yet, but I imagine I like you too, but I knew him first.
2: See, Jake, here's the thing.
1: Yeah, so here's just to thing.
3: summarize for the audience here, we have it on record, so no one punks out here. Sam and I were chatting on <laughs> Facebook Messenger and we were just talking some shit and uh basically i'm like hey let's put let's put something on the line right i think money is one thing but i think there's something fun something of a prop bet and i think we came up with uh we're gonna turn into just like whoever loses i got my boy jake you got your boy uh sam got his boy ben whoever loses is gonna go uh shave all their hair with off. a razor razor so, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's we're gonna go
3: hardcore i like how you just, clarified with, with a big razor skin.
2: like it made it better no, Bic. a bick, <laughs> like, oh, uh,
1: Bic like it's called okay. it's called we used to call it bick in it you gotta bick it it's like, like a, a, like a, a, a razor. Guy, yeah right like like skinhead yes um yeah so anyway we're gonna see what's what, what will happen with that but either way i'm gonna win because
3: it's exciting <laughs> So we're all going to win, I think. So that's good. Um, I'm going to keep my beautiful hair and um, it's going to be funny to see you as a skinhead, Sam.
1: Well, it's, unfortunately, I already look like one. Um, so the odds aren't in my favor. <laughs> the, the
2: second thing is you guys launched this fund called the Anti-Fund. It's a rolling fund, right, Jeff? Correct. It's on Angelus Rolling Fund. is Rolling Fund. Uh, we've talked about rolling funds before. So, So Jake, actually, to your point of like the power of a niche loyal following. So I've been doing this podcast for, I think I did it for like a year. And then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna launch a, a rolling fund. And I said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna go to anyone I know in real life. I didn't go to Sam, I didn't go to Jeff, I didn't go to any of my friends who kind of were like, I think, I think if I went to friends in Silicon Valley and say, hey, I'm starting a fund, they would have cut me a check, it would have been great, but not, not a remarkable story. Instead, I said, I'm gonna only raise this from people I've never met, who just follow me on either Twitter or the, from the podcast. And I tweeted out, I said, I'm gonna try to raise a $1 million in 21 days. And we're like, I think we we crushed it in like three days. And we I'm now at four million a year on the rolling fund from people I'd never met and I never did a phone call. So I never did a pitch meeting or anything like that. And that was the power of kind of like a niche following or or a trusted audience that really what isn't that big, but the power of the trust and the and the quality of the audience made it so that i could raise one of the bigger rolling funds
0: that's huge yeah that's a, that's a remarkable story and that was that was sort of you know why we chose to go through the angelus rolling fund platform is cuz we wanted to be able to sort of crowdsource from our our you know fans and people who support me and be able to market it out there so that everyone can get involved because when we, when we're coming into these startups our sort of differentiating factor is like the traction and marketing and uh, that we can bring to them and if we have an army of investors who want to see these products succeed, then you know uh, we're all going to be pushing it. And it, and it sort of creates this uh, this movement. How much have you guys
3: raised so far? Can you say or no? We're not going to say. But I think in terms of just like anchor LPs, we have Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, uh, a, a bunch of friends. And, and it's also very interesting to see and talk to a lot of institutional investors. But do
1: they go through right. the rolling front platform? Because then you're going to have to give
3: Angel list their cut. No. You oh, have to uh, I, I mean, I think we ha- Angelus has been good partners, honestly. Right, like I think the back office and, and 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 smoothness on that platform, we're very happy to share. I mean, I think, I, I think Jake and I, I think resonate because we're long term players here, and I think it, it's a very interesting evolution of the venture capital ecosystem. Right, like i I mean, I know Sam, you're trying to invest. I mean, Sean, you have a great portfolio. I mean, I'm sure we should, we should talk about this, but it is very interesting to see how Wall Street hedge, crossover hedge funds are coming downstream, uh, top-tier venture capital firms are going upstream into public market entities. I think the growth equity people in the middle are getting crushed. I think you see solo capitalists raising hundreds of millions of dollars in SPVs. I mean, I think the ecosystem is really, really changing. And I, in our thesis is that we're all entrepreneurs here, right? Like, Just look at the people on your cap table. Who are actually people who add value, and these old school funds who are middling. Like, I think people like us should eat their yeah. lunch. What? What? But up? it's not to say that like we can't be complementary. But I think just I think as a founder, I'm looking at the cap table that in my businesses, and it's very easy to see like in terms of dollar dilution to value add. Like the best people on my cap table are entrepreneurs and operators. And I think Jake and I wanted to be those people on our portfolio company. And I think, well, how much is the fund do you want to do? How
1: much is the fund going to be? You think? So I think you, you, you guys said you wanted to be number one. Um, I don't know who the biggest I, is. I, Sean,
3: you're at like what five million? Four,
2: but that's not the biggest. Sahil, I think has the biggest rolling fund right now. Fifth, maybe ten, fifteen million, something like that.
3: I think Pomp has a big one too. Yeah. But so the biggest, yeah, the biggest you gotta, doesn't You guys really got to be in the 15 matter. range. Like, uh, have, well, a bigger... No, it does matter. That,
1: bro, that's what they said they wanted to do. Well, in the press stupid, release, they go, stupid, we want to be number one. Goal,
2: if that's your goal, you should want the best returns, not the largest size fund. Uh, so so bad goal, if if that is your goal. Is that your goal, Jeff, to have the largest capital base? That's not going to do anything for you.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's just like us in a competitive spirit. Right. But I think the core metric for us is best cash on cash returns, right? Of End course. of the day. It's IRR and returning capital to our LPs. So Jake, were you angel
2: investing before this? Or is this kind of your first foray for you uh, personally into startup uh, investments? Yeah,
0: I, I've been angel investing um, mm-hmm. since I was like 18. I'm, I'm 24 now. And then I also had a, a fund when I was 18 um, called TGZ Capital. Um, and we we raised a pretty decent amount of money, but was just getting my feet wet into the into the tech business. But invested into over right. uh, twenty consumer startups, and the fund is is performing well. We're seeing exits, um, and th- we're basically tripling. Uh, our, we basically tripled our our IRR the capital. So, um, pretty successful there as my first fund. But now, so, so it, give, it,
2: give us some up. names. What are some companies? <clears throat>
0: Sorry, it's a little lag. But um, what are some companies you invested in that we might have heard of? So Quip, I think, is one of the biggest ones. That's like performing. Um, uh, no Foods Triller, uh, which uh, Quip, Quip yeah. the toothbrush thing. Yeah, Hush Hush Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a lot a lot of consu- a lot of consumer brands, and uh, you know, it's it, it, that was again just me getting started. And I was 18, 19, 20 years old at the time. And, and now it's like my reach is bigger than ever. My uh, my knowledge is is more than ever. And I, I have uh, Jeff who has such a great reputation and is an amazing founder and entrepreneur. So uh, just really excited to to you know go head, head down. How did you guys meet? Is there a good
2: story? Because Jeff... Jeff is kind of like, you know, uh, Asian guy from the tech scene, successful, you know, tech entrepreneur, Jake, you're like, I don't know, YouTube playboy. How, how did y'all even cross paths? Is there a good story there or is this just whatever?
3: I mean, I think like I was talking to Chris and Elena and then Jake came in and like, we just shook hands. And I was like, Oh, like I saw this, I've seen this kid on YouTube. He was trolling the fuck out of Conor McGregor. That was hilarious. (laughs) This guy, is, this guy is awesome. Um, I mean, so I, I don't know if this is public or not, but, but fuck it. Like, Connor's a big customer yeah. of HVMN. And obviously, he's had, you know, kind of on, on record, um, had some issues with endurance. So we just knew that through HVMN, we have some exogenous ketone technology that's been supporting uh, folks in special operations, elite athletics. And uh, Connor was, was a customer. And I was like, hey, like, Jake is cool. Like I saw him like trying to want to pick a fight with some of the top elite boxers. Uh, Let's just talk about human performance. And we just hit it off from there. And we realized that human performance was really just the start of what an overlapping interest was. And uh, maybe Jake, you want to tell about like your three goals this year. Like you had a couple of goals that you wanted to accomplish this year and they just really overlapping. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I told Jeff, I was like, I have three goals this year. One is to fight three times. The second is to uh, start a VC fund. And the third was to learn to do the splits. So. Oh, same.
1: <laughs> yeah. The splits. The splits thing. Like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Front splits, baby. <laughs> what do you use it for uh, that? Just a lot of stretching. Just literally sitting in that position and trying to get lower and lower each time. It's not really rocket science.
1: Dude, I just signed up for a, a front splits course. I said Jeff shirtless pictures all the time of me doing a back bridge. Same, same. You, you, we could just talk about flexibility if you want
0: all that. Flexibility equals speed, so that's 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 uh, that's why I'm. That's one of my goals. Um, but yeah, that that's sort of do how you we connected guys, and Jeff was like, "Oh, I want to do I want to do a fund as well." Like I've been wanting to do, I've been wanting to do it and we just had mutual friends and uh just sort of hit it off right away with our our goals and our network and our vision for what we could accomplish.
1: I I want to ask you guys and uh, about some specific companies you're looking at and and we could bring up some as well, but I wanted to ask you um so I've been doing angel investing a little bit now. So, I made a great living starting and selling a company and I'm going to continue doing that. The thing about angel investing that is like, I'm like, do I want to spend a lot of time doing this? Is that you're not going to see any returns, if ever, for like six, seven, eight years. And I'm talking to Sean all the time. I'm like, Sean, like, you think this is a good use of time? Like, this is kind of crazy. I don't know if that's... Do you guys think you... Uh, Jake, Jeff, do you guys think that... Is this going to be a needle mover for you guys financially? Or are you doing it because um, it's cool? It's exciting? I mean, what what's your motivation here? And don't say like, we want to help founders, because I, I can't stand that that answer. Because I think that's mostly bullshit. You're not doing it, so, you're not going to get something.
0: For me, it's having the finger on the pulse of what's going on. I think that's sort of what I've been best at over, over the years is being ahead of trends and knowing what's going on in, in the business world and what things are hot and new. Um, I, can, I can leverage that a lot for... Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of different reasons, both financially, both in my career. And I can, uh, you know, have for my opinion on what I think I should be putting money into. And then I think part of it's just legacy for me, you know, just wanting to be this generation's Jay-Z or Dr. Dre, where, you know, they're a part of these massive billion dollar companies and do more for the celebrities around them than just be a rapper or just be a producer. You know, I want to be that bridge between the business world and the influencer world and be sort of the one that who, the, the, the influencer or celebrity who's known for that in this generation. Um, and I feel like as a 24 year old, I'm sort of already starting to to lead that and uh, and accomplish that.
1: Jake, something, something, let me ask, ask a quick question. So something that I've always been curious about, and we've actually talked about hiring CEOs on here, but, um, which is a, a little bit similar, but, the Jay Z thing interests me because he's got his hands in everything. Um, so he uh, just sold a, a significant part of title. I, I think or maybe the whole thing. He had the alcohol thing, and then he's had like thing like he's had hits like it seems like one hit every year. Clothing, uh, his record label. What I'm always curious about, and, and I actually just talked to a guy the other day who Jay Z invested in his company, and I talked to the guy, and I was like, "What's it like talking to him?" And what I'm curious about is guys like Jay Z, and and you're if you're not there already, you're on your way there, but you probably are. What I'm always curious about is how do they structure the the office? So how are they actually structuring the day-to-day? So like there's this this the face, so Jay-Z's the face, and he's gotta do good at music, otherwise everything else fails. But he's got his hands and all this stuff. How are you actually structuring your day or structuring like the Jake Paul Corporation in order to effectively do that? Yeah,
0: I mean, um, for, for me it's about it's building out team. And, you know, for me, it's a little bit different right now with being in training camp where like I'm traveling all over and training twice a day and so on and so forth. But, um, my team comes, comes with me and we're sitting like, there was a couple more people here literally right now, but we're sitting around this table, you know, throughout the day, uh, going through operations, checklists, to-dos, um, you know, hitting deadlines, um, and so for me, I'm I'm very much uh, a part of the operations and um, and running things as as a CEO. But is the, are they structured as? What's your? Do you have like a
1: holding like a like a like a Jake Paul Media uh, LLC or yeah, something like
0: yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's like it's sort of like a parent company, and then there's like you know the branches underneath it.
1: And but then most and most all the revenue is some YouTube I imagine related or some type of brand revenue, advertising revenue. And then, uh, you just have like maybe eight or five, I don't know how many people you said, and they just get, uh, a, a, a bi-weekly or bi-monthly salary off that. So, I mean, it's just run like a pretty straight laced normal yeah. media company. Is that how,
0: how yeah, you have it set up? It's, it's pretty much like a media company. Got and it. Yeah. I've always been curious about how those guys do that. Go ahead. Jake,
2: you, you said something a second ago, you were like, you know, I've, I've been good at having my finger on the pulse. Of where's culture going? Where's attention going? Where's business going? And uh, so, I'm curious what what are the trends that you're seeing right now? What are you excited about? Um, you can either name kind of like categories, or even better would be you know specific ideas that you're interested in, or or concepts or but businesses that you're interested in. Where where do you where do you see opportunities that not everybody thinks it's obvious
0: today, but you kind of see it a little bit ahead of, of the curve? Well, I, I think uh, the hot one right now that sort of has evolved in the past two months is every celebrity trying to get involved in, in NFTs um, and, and digital assets or digital goods. Um, I think a lot of people are doing it wrong though. And they're sort of just doing it as like a flash in, the pl- in a pan and don't necessarily see the vision of where NFTs and why digital assets are so important and, and, and where it can go. And then on top of that, things like, the Metaverse, where we have you know these digital mu- museums and digital real estate uh that's that's something that i th- I think is is super powerful right now and um and then everyone sort of in the past week was talking about BitCloud, you know and and how big that's become and I think both of those things are sort of digital uh digital you know businesses that are backed by influencers and celebrities or, or sort of built on the backbone of digital celebrities and artists um and they're, they're both super interesting i think BitCloud, you know we will hear about for 5 10 15 years to come and it, it's, it's just such an interesting concept and decentralizing social media is such a powerful powerful thing um so the those are two just like right off the bat that i'm that are very interesting to me right now are
1: you um all right let me show you guys a company let, let, let's talk about specific companies in that space i'll tell you one that i'm looking at and you tell me your opinion so uh sean brought this to my attention i got a meeting with them actually in like seven hours because they're based in australia so it's like monday morning their time when, when they're meeting but uh i just posted you guys the link i don't know why the links always show up like it's called that zed run Z- have you heard of it yeah zed run zed dot run have you guys heard of this
3: uh, yeah, these horse NFTs. It's
1: crazy, dude. Okay. I've had friends that have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on yep. buying these horses. It's so fascinating. Now, I think so. I I'm gonna try and invest in them, but I think that there's a ton of reasons why this can't work. But I, there maybe is a world where they become this like massive, like you know, uh. uh I forget what the big fantasy sports, fantasy draft or whatever it's called. Uh, there, There is a world where, yeah, DraftKings. There is a world where it becomes, have you guys seen yeah, this? Can I, can I tell you a little uh, bit Jeff about this
2: one? So yeah, So for those it. who don't know, so Zed yeah, Run is ahead. basically uh, a platform where you go on and you buy um, like a digital horse. So you buy a horse and the horse can be one of these like four different kind of like breeds. There's one breed that's known for like speed. There's another breed that's kind of like, known for, let's say like it's uh, endurance. Uh, and so, you know, they like four different kind of like classes, like almost like Gryffindor and Slytherin or whatever else. Right. So four different the master breeds. So you go on, you buy a horse and then you can race your horse. Now it's, so it combines the fun of digital horse uh, of, of like horse racing and betting on horses, which I've done it, Sam, I know you're from redneck country. You've definitely gone to horse, horse tracks and, and bet on horses. So, so Betting on horses is super fun, but now you actually own the horse. Like in a normal horse race, the race happens and like five seconds later, you don't give a shit about, you know, horse number eight, you know, happy-go-lucky. It's it's like, I don't care about happy-go-lucky anymore. But in this case, it's your horse. And the better your horse does, the more other people want to breed with your horse. So these are, the underlying technology is NFTs. But if you just take that away, it's a game basically, but it's, it emerges like the best of like a Tamagotchi where you own your little pet. As well as horse racing, where you actually race your pet and uh, and you can win money gambling on the horse races, and so and so I know people that have made like three grand this week just because their horse was winning. I was doing pretty well, and people started paying him to breed with that horse because he had a twenty five percent win rate. But how do you make your horse better or worse? It's, it's just like a game of sort of random chance, right? So you you sort of buy the horses at the auction, and the horse has some probability of being like one of the like top horses. And then even then, like anything can happen in a race. So the race itself has some probability. So it's just a bunch of math equations that's deciding whether this horse is going to win that race or not, or be one of the like premier horses. So it's just random. It's it's random random, in the same way that like you open a a pack of Panini basketball cards and you might get a Luca Doncic rookie card, or you open Pokemon and you might get a holographic Charizard or not. So there's just a, a set of probabilities where you get the common stock that are like not that great, or you get the premium rare ones. And when you have that, it's this asset that just drives a bunch of cash flow because it'll win races, which wins you money, or people will breed with it and it'll win you money. And so it's this mix. And the people who go heavy on it, there's this crew of guys, I've talked to them, that are like the same guys that are the whales on the, all the daily fantasy sites. These guys bet you know millions of dollars. I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday. This guy basically himself bets about, about $3 million a month on, uh, on DraftKings and FanDuel. And so the, it's that same crew that became the cream of the crop, they moved to Top Shot and they basically bought all the Top Shot stuff, like all the Top Shot cards when it was really cheap. And then they started, Who was this, they started trading with each I can't say his name, but they started trading with each other and they started buying each other's things up. And so all of a sudden the prices went up and it's kind of like a little bit fugazi because these guys, like they're all buying from each other. So it's sort of like a wash trade. It's like, I'll pay you $5 million and you pay me $4 yeah. million dollars back and then I pay you $3 million and it makes all the price of it makes the price of all of our assets that we bought dirt cheap go up to the mass public now the, the public just sees it and we talked about it on the pod like oh my god 160 million dollars has been traded on top shot oh my god that one top shot is worth 4 million dollars or whatever and it's because these guys basically pumped the market themselves and like this month, this yep. this month, Top Shots like crashed. It's like down seventy percent, and all these guys have moved to Zed Run. And so, like <laughs> the place to be right now is Zed because that's where you go buy some horses, and the whales are all there betting against each other and driving up the prices.
1: So, Jake and Jeff, yeah, would I mean, would you write these guys a check based off of the
3: three minutes of information you know about them? I think Jake and I like investing the picks and shovels of this space. Right. So, I think. I think, Sean, I think you're, you're very astute. I think there's a lot of inside dealing, and it's a very similar dynamic with the fine arts market or totally. the, like the nightclub social clout. Like, hey, I'm going to drop X hundred thousand dollars popping bottles and, and, and doing the model nightlife lifestyle. I think we believe that the market for this exists. And I think that for Gen Z and Ford, it's just as cool to have digital stunts versus real-life stunts. So I think enabling this economy, I think, is a real market. Just like Warhol's uh, are a real market, I think Beeple's are like a real market in the sense that there is some liquidity in this space. But I think it's very hard to choose which specific art or artist is to be made. And I think where I think we have some alpha is there is going to be a similar infrastructure around the Christie's, the Sotheby's, the gallery owners, the tastemakers, the curators. There is a multi-billion dollar industry that chooses winners, right? Like who, who, who says that a Rothschild $40,000 wine is worth $40,000, right? There's a, an ecosystem that chooses that wine or that chooses that artist to be the next winner, so the, I think the well, the question really, then is, really.
1: is is Jake and Jeff, do you think that Zed are you willing to bet? Are you would you bet that this is going to be the next
3: Kentucky Derby? Or I think I, I think a lot of these games are hits-driven businesses, right? I think it's like uh, just like how there are a bunch of mobile games that were super hot that like spiked and then crashed. I think these are like movie franchises, right? Like which ones are durable and which ones are flash in the pan, right? And I think there's a lot of self-dealing with folks that come in early. And exactly as you mentioned, like I think we've seen and looked at a lot of these deals, right? Like the Beeple art piece that sold for 69 million at Christie's, the buyer, uh, Beeple had 2% of that uh, stake, right? Like they were pumping up Beeple's art value, right? Like that is like well-known within like the hardcore NFT art collection. Like it was a self-dealt trade. Like he is pumping his own art pieces, right? It's almost like a... Like, because they're not securities, it's probably not insider trading, not illegal. Right? So, like,
1: let me,
0: it's let me just give like,
1: Jake just had a grin. He's, Jake's got something to say.
0: No, I'm just saying I just say, I wouldn't. He slapped I wouldn't at something. Invest or not invest into a company based off of a three minute spiel from, <laughs> from not the founders.
2: Yeah, that's good. That, that was a trick question. Good point. Good answer. <laughs> there was a great tweet I saw yesterday um, by somebody, I think their name is. I don't know how to say it for dose buy or something like that. But they said, here's the scenario. I have $2 million of ether. I create an NFT art piece. I pay an artist five, five grand. uh, Hey, make me some NFT art. Cool. Now I use my $2 million of ether to buy my own NFT. Now I still have 2 million in ether because I bought my own NFT. The money went to me. um, And I have an art piece that's valued at $2 million. So now I put that NFT back up on the market and let's say it sells for at a 90% discount, it sells for 200K, right? Uh, oh my God, I took a I took a big bath on this. Whoever bought it got a great deal. They bought a $2 million Ether. The thing, this thing just sold for 2 million. They got it for 200K. Great. I now have 2.2 million in Ether, right? And it's like, that is how simple the sort of self-dealing can be in this space right now because it's the Wild Wild West. Now, that's, I got to tell you, the same sort of shenanigans were taking place with Bitcoin really early on. And sometimes there is a fake it till you make it nature to these things. Right now it's happening on BitCloud. So I was, I, I came on here we're talking about BitCloud a few weeks ago and everyone's making fun of me because they're like, oh, are you pumping this? Like, you know, is this a Ponzi scheme? Like, oh, you know, you know, it's like that scene from the office where Michael's all excited and then Jim goes and draws a pyramid around the thing he's, 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 you know, drawing out and it's like, yeah, that's a pyramid scheme. Um, but I, you know, I sort of saw something different in BitCloud. I think actually BitCloud has a lot of potential. I pumped in 100K because I know that for all these platforms, they don't have to work in the long run for them to be successful. They can be successful in two other ways. One is they can just show the world that, hey, this is not maybe the end, the winner, but this is a good idea. And um, and then v, somebody will come out with a V2 later and it'll be better. The second thing is if you get in early and there's a speculative run where people get excited and more, more people get in, involved it doesn't have to like replace Facebook and replace Twitter for you to make a bunch of money. And so, um, that was my view on BitCloud. Jake, I'm heavy in your coin right now on BitCloud. I'm just waiting for you to claim that baby okay. because, uh, you're one of my, yeah. Why, one of my main why, I'm yeah. claiming
0: in in the next couple of days here. Um, but, but it's, it's so interesting. And, and again, it goes back to like being able to get the general public involved for me when I saw, when I'm looking at crypto, like I understand it more than the average person. I'm not an expert by any means, but I've been following it for years and investing money into it. Um, but it's it's still a bit confusing, and I don't know all the different coins. And I have to like look and research their functions and all this stuff and figure out who's involved and if they're legit. If I want to put my money in, when Bitcoin came out, I was like, oh my god, this is perfect for me because. I know who these influencers are, I know who these celebrities are, I know who their managers are. I know if they're actually smart, I know if they work hard, I know if their career will have longevity. And I think also for 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 fans, you know, they can be like, "Oh my god, you know, I love this kid on TikTok. I think he's going to be the next big thing, but his bitcloud's only $500. I can put in 500 and then who knows if if they actually blow up and so i think for for the general public BitCloud is so much easier to understand it's easier like entry point and it's it's just the start um and th- that's part of the reason why i'm i'm bullish on it as well and think that it has a ton of potential and that it'll it'll be around for a while and you sort of have this direct access to your your most loyal supporters and the people who Believe that you will be successful in the long run. You're able to connect with them, message them, um, and see who's who's backing you.
2: So, can I just say one thing on that? So, um, I got, I, jo- I joined the thing like three weeks ago, and you know, it was excited initially and put a bunch of money in, and I've made a bunch of money on it. But now I'm, I guess, my thoughts of uh, something has clicked in my head where I now get, I can now better articulate why I think that some, this idea, whether whether it's in Bitcloud or or some other Project that comes up two years from now, this idea is never going to go away, and I'll, I'll explain why. Uh, because a lot of people said, "Okay, what's the point? Why would I buy this coin? Why would I buy Jake Paul's coin? Why would I buy Jeff's coin? What's the what's the purpose of it?" And here's how I would explain it now. Uh, everybody sort of gets and actually kind of likes things like Patreon, where it's like, "Well, I like to support a creator I like, right? So I want to give them money so they can keep creating content." Uh, and Patreon has this like feel good vibe to it where I'm just, you know, sort of donating and I get back, I get some kind of access, right? So when I go, when I pay on OnlyFans or Patreon or Substack, I pay for access. I pay for stuff. And um, so I give you money and you give me content. And what BitClout does is it takes that same trade, but it makes it even better for the person giving the money because it says – Hey, this time when you pay when you buy my coin, yes, you get access. You get content, you get exclusives, you get more from me and you're helping me do what I do because now I can make a living doing this. But if you were early, if you think that more people in the future will want that same access, you're going to not just like pay for stuff and, you know, it's money going out. You're actually going to make money because your the coin's going to appreciate in value and so you as a early tastemaker get to like if I knew Jake Paul was going to be Jake Paul. Actually, Jake, I saw you we were at a party uh, together. You were coming, you were leaving, I was coming at a house party like five years ago, uh, four or five years ago. And uh, I remember you were walking around with a backpack on. I just remember thinking, why is this guy got a backpack? And they're like, oh, that's Jake Paul. And I thought, oh yeah, I've seen some of this guy's stuff on Vine. I think this guy's great. If I could have bought your coin then by being an early, an identifying earlier on that, hey, this guy's going to be big, not only would I've got the access, pay for content, but I would have made 5X, 10X my money by believing in you early. So it takes the concept of a thousand true fans, which was like a, like a 20 year old concept that a lot of people talk about. Hey, if you can get a thousand people to pay you 10 bucks a month, you can make a living as an artist. A thousand true fans is gone. Now it's a hundred true believers, a hundred people who actually invest in your coin. Not only are they enough for you to make your living, but they will get rich by being early in you too. And so I think that's the one thing that will stick around. I don't know if big, I don't know who's behind big cloud. I don't know if it's a scam. I don't know if they'll run away with our money. I don't know if it'll get hacked. Nobody can guarantee those things but i can guarantee you this idea that the the curators the tastemakers the people who identify talent early as a fan and they are going to get it's like buying amazon stock early now they're going to they're going to make financial rewards in addition to being an early supporter that idea is never going away and that's what bitcloud brought to the world
3: yeah i hear this this like legit i don't know if it's like an open secret now but like there's legit people behind and like legit operators yeah, behind yeah it's BitCloud. um chamath yeah. and uh, Andreessen. well
1: they backed it it's public yeah yeah they backed it
3: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, And like the operator, the founder is like a legit guy who's raised like hundreds of millions, like $150 million of his, of previous crypto projects. So I think like the team is like going to be reasonable. It's underwritten by like reasonable people. Yeah. I mean, I think the long-term scheme is that like for Twitter, Instagram, right? Like Jake at offered so much freaking value to those platforms, but he has to monetize off platform. Hey, Jake, how, how much money,
2: how much value do you think you created? Just give me a uh, a wild ass guess, it, it, you know, a wag. Wild ass guess. How much value did you create for Vine, for Twitter, for YouTube? What would you put if you were throwing a number out there? How much value was the Paul the, were the Paul brothers for 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 those platforms?
0: Oh, he's uh, over like billions, billions of dollars in in, wow. in media value. In yeah, cap? market cap for sure, hands down. Uh, every day of the week. So let's let's wow. let's
2: take the conservative angle. Let's let's take it most conservatively let's say you only added 100 million dollars over the last 10 years i think that's an extremely conservative estimate right uh or 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 we can go we can just say 100 million um roughly right now what do you think what percentage of the value that's created do do YouTubers capture do they capture like 1% of the value they're creating 10% like how how one sided is the deal in your opinion
0: um i it's it's very one sided and and I think that's why you see, you know, YouTube and creators n- not as, you know, in in sync as as before because they're finding ways to go off platform and make money like OnlyFans, Bitcloud, their own subscription platforms. Um so it, it it's not the same ecosystem that it was before, but even before it was still very very lopsided. Um, And, you know, we're bringing all of this attention to YouTube and we're bringing those eyeballs without that content there from the influencers. You know, the the fans aren't necessarily going to come back all the time, I think. And I think that's a value you can't even really put a put a price tag on.
3: Yeah. I mean, just look at it from like a Netflix model, right? Netflix spends billions of dollars. Disney Plus spends billions of dollars on content. And then YouTube basically take, gets it for free and then kicks an ad revenue shit split to, to the creators. So, what, like, what, what? I just don't think it's a stable equilibrium, just from a, like, a, like Economics 101. Like that will have to change in the medium long term. And I think that's part of our thesis as anti. So what do you right? call like, like,
1: what do you call this genre of companies? Companies that basically help people like Jake or or us make more money versus just making uh uh you know a tiny bit of money from ad revenue. What, what do you what do you
3: call this like niche niche? Yeah, I, I think I think people are deeming it creator economy, passion economy. I mean, it's just like I think there's a new way. I, I think like what is the ultimate commodity? It's time. What is this? Best proxy for time, it's money. What's the second best proxy for time? Attention, right? Like, so I think it's like literally time is what everyone has limited resource of. Money buys you a lot of time because you can pay people to do stuff for you. And then attention, right? Like attention is very, very scarce. I think what creators and influencers offer is a lot of attention. So let's 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 actually talk about some
1: of those companies that you guys are looking at. I know, I mean, I know the past ones. Jake said that he helped build or was uh, very tightly associated with Fanjoy, which um, I, if I had a guess, I, I just just from what I read online, I would imagine that they're doing north of a hundred million dollars a year in. Well, they're for sure doing north of a hundred million in gross merchandise revenue, gross merchandise sales. Are they doing more than a hundred million in like net revenue? Um, I'm not sure actually. If I would bet, I would say fifty or sixty.
2: Explain what it is Um, for people who don't know. What's what's fanjoy?
0: Jake, how do you explain fanjoy in the easiest way? I'm technically co-founder on on the books of fanjoy, uh, but also um, investor and like just. Been very involved in, in strategy from from day one with uh, the CEO Chris, um, but essentially Fanjoy is the best place for influencers slash celebrities slash athletes to go for their merchandise creation, shipping fulfillment, and fan experience. So, you know, let's say there's a big influencer. And they need merchandising. Fanjoy' is the best place to go. They take care of design, fulfillment, shipping, customer service, the the website. Um, and it's it's basically A to Z one-stop shop. What do you? Is some,
1: what's going to be the the? How does the, how does how does Fanjoy and someone uh, like uh, one of the massive T-shirt companies or something like that buys them for
0: hundreds of millions of dollars? Yeah, and and I think just continuing to to scale and scale and bring more influencers and and you know doing doing unique things like dis- disrupting retail in many ways because, um, you know when when some of these influencers we've seen them go into retail in different places like Zoomies or or a Target even uh, they're, they're going crazy because their fans can actually go to the store and, and buy physical products. So I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in that. And then just getting super smart around the, the the actual product and, and the customer acquisition. And um, there's always going to be an influencer, a celebrity or an athlete that's super popular at the time. And so, the business obviously continues to grow and grow and grow. What other products um, are you seeing
1: in the space that are interesting that most of our listeners won't even know are a thing? I mean, um, Big Cloud, we've talked about, but that's something that a lot of people Co- don't know. Companies that help
2: creators.
3: Yeah. Monetize better than just ad- plain advertising. Sure. I mean, maybe just to like I, we don't want to like scoop some announce uh, some investments, but we've already started making some investments, and I think we've looked at uh, novel ways to do uh, commerce, right? Like I think SMS conversational commerce is very, very interesting. Um, you know, Sam, you you've been awesome to kick over some interesting deals. In yeah, we could. T- of-
1: I could tell you. So we I I sent Jake and uh, Jeff this company called Tails, and what it does is. Um, the the reason it interests me is there's already companies in China doing this that have like 50, 70, 80 billion dollars in market cap. And Tails is a platform where an author can upload the pa- the text of their uh, past books, and through a ver- bunch of different technology, it turns into an interactive book, which you can sell for more money and make the author more money. And that's kind of interesting. I think that there's a ton of reasons why that business can fail, but there's a few reasons why it could be quite massive. And so I I invested in 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 it for. The few reasons I think it could be big. I think I sent that sent yeah, that to you, yeah. Sean. yeah,
2: I, I, yeah, I saw that yeah. one too. So, so Jake, let me ask you diff- let me ask the question a different way. Um, the people who listen to this podcast are like makers of some kind, or of product or engineers. Uh, everybody from we have like execs at Twitch or YouTube or Facebook that listen to this podcast, Twitter. Uh, and then there's like, you know, the eighteen year old college kid who listens to this because he loves getting ideas about like different things that they could go build. And so a lot of them, the one of the biggest DMs I get is just like, "Hey, like, do you have an idea? Or what do you think of this idea?" I can make anything. I just don't know where I don't know what the problems are that people have. Because uh, imagine you're you're, you're a 20 year old kid. It's the the apps that those people build are typically the, pro- the apps that solve problems of 20 year old kids, but they're not because they don't know what problems that Jake Paul has. And same thing with execs at these companies. They don't always understand what are the problems that an influencer like you would have. So what are some pain points or like, if you could say kind of like, man, I wish somebody would make it easier for me to do X or man, it really sucks that, you know, I'll just throw out some examples while you think, cause I know that's a tough question, but like, no, I, I, you know, yeah. I wanted to buy a house an and like, it sucks. You can't get a mortgage, even though I got millions of dollars I have no W2 income. Okay. go for Yeah.
0: It. So I, I think in this space, there are very few people who are great at just social media in general, from understanding it, knowing what's going on, knowing the players involved, being able to create content in the space, um, edit videos, graphic design, um, you know, understanding Twitter, being able to run a Twitter account. Every, every, everyone I meet ever is like, I need a social media person. I need someone who can edit film, uh, understand post do the captions tweet make the tiktoks come up with the videos i need ideas. like every single company every single influencer needs that person and there's where are they i don't know I, I i've had to it it's it took me long 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 time my 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 john right here he's my guy he's like i'm right here but um but it, it, it's so hard to find them. It's so hard to find them. And so I wish there was a place where I could just go and be like, who's the best social media people? I think that would blow up instantly. We just went through this. Yeah, we, we just we,
2: – we, so, so JP – So what's that look like? We just had a fun, yeah, fun version ahead, of this where like you said like – so my studio looks – you can say it, Jake. I look pretty legit right now, right? Got good lighting, got good audio, got it, got it, got a good camera. I didn't know how the fuck to do that. And so these guys basically flew out to my house and built me the studio in my garage. And they did the same thing for Sam. And then they said, great, we're going to take your podcast and the videos from this and we're going to chop it up and make awesome social clips and just have them ready for you on a platter to post. And then some guys are posting them for us. So now we have this machine behind us that's taking the raw content and turning it into something awesome. It took us a year to find that and we were just lucky that we found it. So let's just riff on that idea for a second. It seems like there's two ideas that come to mind. You tell me if either of these are exciting. One is a way to like a job, like, a, like basically like a place to go higher. Like, you know, LinkedIn is too broad. You know, Upwork is just too random. A place to go, a marketplace where you could find trusted content creator, like allies, digital, like kind of like editors, Um, social media people, graphic designers, stuff like that. So like a place to go find high-quality people like that, like a a marketplace. Well, do you know,
1: Jake, do
0: you know Angie's list? We need Jake's list. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But the the thing is, though, is like a good creative artist, editor slash videographer isn't going to go and fucking make a LinkedIn profile. Like how do you get these people who are actually good and like – super talented to maybe be on one of these uh one of these these sites I don't I don't know and a lot of them are young people. so
2: so one company is called dribble where like great designers didn't want to go to LinkedIn and just say I'm a great designer and even if you went to LinkedIn you couldn't tell if they're a great designer or not what dribble did was it let them upload little shots so it's like while they're in photoshop if they're doing something cool they kind of take a screenshot, upload it to Dribbble, and other designers see it. So it kind of became this social network for designers to share their, their coolest stuff they were making. It's like our portfolio. And then be- once they got everybody building their portfolio on here and sharing it with each other, then it became the best way to hire designers. Because now you could go just go browse their portfolios, and they got higher-paying jobs. So that's one angle of attack. The other is Lambda School. So I invested in this company called Lambda School that basically was training people to become software engineers. Like, every tech company needs to hire engineers, it's, you know, like... Every influencer needs a social person who's making, you know, editing and posting stuff. Every tech company needs more engineers. And so Lambda School was like, yo, college is not doing it. We need to make a nine month boot camp where we'll make you like from zero to ready to be hired. And we only make money if you get hired. So like, we're fully aligned with you. If we can't get you a high paying job as an engineer, then we failed, we don't make any money. It's on us. And Lambda School is gonna be like a billion dollar plus company now. You could make potentially a Lambda School for." Whatever content creation or media creation,
3: yeah, I mean, let's just put it out there. Like, I'm sure all of us would invest in a company that would like prime up people that doing social media management. I think, I mean, I'm talking to Sam Trung, one of your lead writers for this for HVMN. I think there is a scarcity in this type of skill set, but,
1: but. But Jake, what are the solutions to the? All right, so we, uh, somehow we got to the solution of like some type of job board issue, she like vetted thing. Uh, the other like obvious one is well, we're just going to build up an agency where we hire thousands of people. That that actually probably could work. It would be kind of a pain in the ass and not that exciting. What other solutions are there that you would that you propose for this? Uh,
0: I guess it would be maybe like a a place where the people could put their highlights. Yeah. Maybe like their, their videos, but then their maybe their understanding of, of social media, like a red, almost if someone had a resume spot that was more robust for this specific type of thing. Um, but again, it's difficult.
1: It's because it's a challenge. This is a challenging thing. I, I, yeah, I hear this problem. I have this problem as well, where I'm like, I just want to hire someone who I could just say, just do it. Uh, it. It is, but so I hear you. I'm and I've I haven't come up with the good solution. I just looked at Fiverr. Do You guys know, you guys definitely know Fiverr. Uh, they're they're maybe you could do just a more exclusive Fiverr. They have a pretty good market cap, eight billion dollars publicly traded. It's pretty fascinating.
3: Yeah, but I think I think to your to Sean's point, I think Lambda has like a good model for... There is, I think, best practices that some, you know, you know, someone like you know, you know, John who who works with with Jake is like literally teaching, curating, uh, like just giving the best practices of what like a top tier, top five creators actually doing with their setup, right? Like your guys' setups are beautiful, right? Like why isn't that replicated across everywhere, right? I would pay to just have that just set up for me.
1: So would you guys invest in that? Uh- Would you basically just launch, Jake, like a, I mean, you wouldn't do this, but maybe someone would uh, for you, a a Jake, like a, like a, like a, a some cooler name than social media school, but a social media, uh, uh, you know, like a school like that.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've tried, I've dabbled, I've dabbled in it. I've dabbled in trying to teach kids about social media and how to do it and like, so on and so forth. And what I found was, is that just people weren't dedicated, honestly. Um, And it was a lot of, it was a lot of shit and lots of hours of content and me explaining. And um, it just, I think people don't understand how hard of a job this is and how it's 24 seven and there's so many different, you know, parts to it. Um, So I've tried to educate. I actually think what
1: would be far more what what I think could be what I think could be interesting is if we created a like a where it's not geared towards young kids. It would have to be geared specifically towards companies. And what you would do is charge ten to fifteen grand, and you your employees would go to it, and you would have recorded talks by Jake Paul by Logan. But then you'd also be like, all right, now we're gonna talk to these editors. They're gonna show you how they do it. Um, and it's a three week no you do a six week thing you meet twice weekly for three hours a piece and you just have a curriculum and it's just like a boot camp. I'm pretty sure you could build at least a 10 million dollar a year company doing just that um, and potentially it could become much larger like a larger like a Miami school for advertising, which is like a hundred million dollar a year company that's been around for 50 hundred years whatever yada 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 you probably could do you could probably get quite wealthy doing just that.
3: Well, I, I think anti-fund would invest in something like that if there's a credi- credible operator, right? I think Lambda showed the path for software engineering, right? And I think you're exactly right. This is not like the train kids, like 18, 19-year-olds that are just like dabbling around. They just want to kind of like hang out and get affiliate with Jake Paul. This is like, hey, we want to train legit social media managers for top 500 enterprises. Yeah. I think that there's a clearly a demand Again, like, you know, the business I've worked with, like, we would pay for that. And can I? So I think it's like, if you guys chip in, like, we can, like, and if the audience here, there's, there's entrepreneurs out there. Every time we put out
2: there, hey, here's an idea. Like, anytime we put out an idea that says, hey, I have this problem or here, I think there's a genuine problem in the world. And somebody could fill it, maybe doing this, maybe doing that. And I would back to you if you wanted to do this. Dude, we get incredible operators coming out the woodwork. So when they hit us up after this, I will share, you know, we'll share it amongst the four of us. And if, if somebody's legit trying to do this, great, we'll, we'll go for it. Like Jake, I don't know if you saw this, but we did a, um, a mini SPAC where I just straight up said, um, Hey, there's all these little <laughs> small, like SaaS companies out there that are, you know, they're, they're not doing great, but they're not horrible. And I said, instead of going to business school and wasting 200 grand and two years of your life, I will gift you one of these businesses. I'll buy you a business for five or 10 grand. Um, that's making, I don't know, a thousand dollars of profit per month right now. And, um, and you run it. You'll learn more from this than you will from business school. And a bunch of other people on Twitter chimed in. they're like, "I'm in for five k." And so it kept going and now, and we basically gifted this kid. He's a college senior. We gifted him a hundred thousand dollars business. It was a Shopify app. And uh, it's a Shopify app that makes it's already profitable, and the person behind it hadn't run it. And so this is like a new education model, right? Like this, this guy is not, uh, you know instead of going to business school, he's gonna get to run a business. And for us, we get a kickback if this guy's able to grow it. And if he's not, no problem. Like the business is already profitable. So there's already kind of like a floor on how bad this can go for us. But we're, we're pretty ballsy with the stuff we put out and people step up when we do. So I'm curious, is there any other pain points or like, dude, somebody should do X or I wish somebody would solve this problem for, for me or for people like me? Um, is there anything
0: else that comes to mind? I, I'm curious. I'm trying to think of like right, uh, right off the, the top of my head. Um,
1: I can bring one up if you, if you don't I mean, have one look, as well.
0: Like it's crazy. Cause like to actually sit there and think about like this, I, I would, I would want to like put it out on Twitter more and maybe I need to become better at, at, uh, putting out some of these ideas. Like guys, I, we need help with this on Twitter. Um, It's obviously fight week, so I'm just posting all this stuff about the fight. But I think, I think I need to get better at uh posting like this business sort of stuff on my on my Twitter and utilizing it to to capture an engaged audience because I have ideas like this that come up all the time, but I'm just like, oh, no one's ever gonna do this. I think
1: you'd be surprised. I think particularly if guys like Jeff or me or Sean eventually start like sharing it, and then you start, you're gonna start capturing like you know, our side of the world, which you already are. But uh, I, I think you'd be surprised at who would pounce on some of these stuff, some of these things. 100%. Can, can I bring up one quick one really quick? Because I know we're we're getting close to time. I, I just, again, the reason why this is interesting is because I've talked to Jeff a ton about this. And it's also interesting because Jake's younger than us, but is like, a, I guess, technically, you are a professional athlete. And then Sean doesn't care about any of this, but... I think he's the ideal customer. So here it is. The average 22-year-old male today... This is a tweet that went viral the other day. The average 22-year-old male today has roughly the same testosterone levels as a 67-year-old had in the year 2000. The average testosterone level has fallen close to 50% in the last 2 decades. Pretty wild. A company that I've been looking at, and I actually passed on them, and I kind of regret on it, is called Peak. So I actually... It's called Get Peak Today. And so the idea here... And I want to hear... What Jake kind of like you're kind of speaking on behalf of like the a little bit younger folks. Um, Sean, you're speaking on, on behalf of people who maybe should consider taking this, but you don't, and <laughs> and I do take it. So basically, TRT, uh, testosterone replacement therapy. It's a incredibly scammy industry. This company, Get Peak, their URL is getpeaktoday.com. I think they're doing something like 15 million in recurring revenue in the first 18 months. Um, what do you guys think about th- about this industry? TRT, basically, what we're explaining listeners is just fucking injecting yourself with a needle with testosterone, basically a <laughs> PED. Every
3: well, I, I actually, yeah, maybe I, I actually have some experience here as a biohacker, interested in human performance. So I actually did an angel investment in a company called Maximus. Uh, Keith Raboy and uh, Formation A laid the seed round, and they're just rolling out of alpha. The founder CEO is uh, Cam Seppa, who is a UCSF- Yeah, I know him. Uh, ...trained uh, uh, clinical psychologist. So he's doing some interesting work there, exactly solving that problem. I think it is an underspoken issue where... Yeah, exactly. Like literally the average man today, their testosterone levels is like their grandfathers of, of, of 30, 40 years ago, is that... I mean, we can go down all sorts of rabbit holes that might not necessarily be a PC to talk about, but it is a very interesting. Where T levels are just dropping. Uh, like,
0: have I, you that explored is, this, Jake? You,
1: as you've gotten into athletics, have you explored like your your T levels at yeah, all? Yeah,
0: yeah. I've definitely I've definitely been tested for it, and, and obviously, like mine aren't terrible, um, like that. But um, it's it's definitely it's definitely something that I think men talk about. Uh, even at this age already like it's starting to become this this bigger conversation um that that needs to be that needs to be fixed obviously there's a massive problem there i think obviously due to our diet our food our chemicals our pesticides all that bullshit is uh, obviously has to do with it
1: And 30 w- or when you're 30 35 ish and you're no longer, and you no longer like, you know, I, I, are you test by USADA? I imagine you are, right? Uh,
0: um USADA, what? One of those? Yeah, I don't even know which one it is. Yeah. So, like, when
1: when it's no longer an issue of of using a performance enhancing drug, would you be adverse to injecting yourself weekly for the rest of your life with testosterone? And how do you think some of your your uh, peers would feel um, about that?
0: Would they I do it? I think they well? would do it for sure. I mean, if it's going to increase your life performance and your your libido and your muscles and all of that stuff then for sure you know especially it's only going to get worse as you get older and so if it's already this big of a problem in our generation then then of course you know and, it, and it's this is something that uh, again is becoming a bigger conversation and i think hair loss and all of this stuff are, are all part of that maybe i'll invest in this company
1: just because jake said that his peers would do it. We should, we should incubate or that- seed
0: this this
2: company, dude. This is a, this is one you. I think you said this on like the first brainstorm we ever did. This and this is still I think probably the best idea you've brought to the table. You peaked on day one of this TRT subscription company because you see what Hems and Roe have done, where they took the same thing, a, a taboo topic like erectile dysfunction or you know er, 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 early early balding, and they basically created a, a top like consumer brand that built trust. And they went crazy building a D2C brand on, you know, through Facebook and advertising um, around that topic. And... This is, I think, an even better uh, business because it is, uh, I I think the market is actually larger for something like this. I think some people are scared to inject. I passed
1: on this, on the seed round. On the seed round, I passed on this company and I was like, and now I see their numbers now and I've got so much frustration. This
2: type of thing, it's not even just like a one winner take all. Like Hims and Roman are both multi-billion dollar companies, both fighting in the US. I just invested in, you know, Roman for Canada because it's like... The same thing. If it it works in the U.S., it's also going to work in Canada. It's not going to not work there, and um, and these you need need a very different like kind of uh, legal and logistical setup to do it in Canada. And these other guys are doing it better. So I think that it's not like there's one company that's just going to win here, especially if you had the power of distribution behind it. Like if Jake and Logan or whoever, if if they invested in something like this and had it had skin in the game to be able to uh, bring awareness to this crazy fact, right? A company only needs one insight to start. And if that one insight is the average 25 year old today has the same testosterone as their grandfather did at 67, like it's dropped that dramatically. Like that one insight alone, you can go start a company on, you'll figure the rest out as you do it. Uh, you don't need anything else to get started.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a thesis behind anti fun I think it's like, how how do investors help, right? It's like, and like again, you guys are all operators too. Like, who are the best people on your cap table? It's like, can they make introductions? Can they give you attention? Can they give you customers? And it's like, and I think like you guys, are prob- I, I I would invest in your funds because like you guys have channels, you guys have people that actually listen to you. And you guys are sharp. You guys get a lot of deal flow. And I think in in some sense, you know, we're starting a little bit behind in terms of our fund status. But like obviously, Jake and I are personal investors and have some track record there. But I think. People like us, I think, will have outsized returns compared to the middling VC funds who are run by people in the previous generation who don't get the strategy that we're trying to execute here.
2: Yeah, I buy that. Okay, we, we
1: should. Well, I know we, we're we coming up on time. Sean, you wanna you wanna wrap it or up? Yeah, I, yeah. I think
2: we should. Uh, how do people get more? So uh, where do they follow you guys? How do they invest in anti fund? Watch the fight. Plug plug everything you want to plug uh, for people who who have listened this far.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the fund information, we're on AngelList. I think we're the top featured rolling fund right now. So, uh, AngelList, search for Anti Fund. We're there. We we have profiles on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find Jake at Jake Paul. You can find me at Jeffrey Wu on all the uh, standard social channels. Uh, and then watch Jake's fight. I don't know. Yeah, Triller, uh, dude. Uh, on your on your on your
1: Angel Fund. And I love uh, bullet point number four on your angel fund, rolling fund sales page. What is it?
3: The earth is flat. The earth is flat. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
3: I mean, I think it's, I think it just shows a little bit of the personality where I think, uh, um, yeah, I, I think it goes back to the thesis that like, if time is the ultimate commodity, what are the proxies of that? And I think it's like, if you can command capital or if you can command attention, those are like, the most powerful assets to today in today's economy. And hopefully we can execute and, and, and utilize what we think we have some advantage here to return, you know, returns for ourselves and our LPs. Good. Hold on. Go on Sean.
2: Okay, we can wrap it up. Jeff, Jake, thanks for coming. Jake, good luck at the fight. I think you're going to win. Uh, sorry, Ben, if you're listening. Uh, I just think that uh jake cares more and is going to try harder to win i think ben is is okay with the decision and because of that i think he's going to lose rounds that's my prediction it's on the record sam you're going to shave your head that's 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 how i think this all plays out uh thanks for coming on guys we should uh we should do this again yeah. we should do this again in like i don't know six months or a year and we'll see what you guys are investing in we'll keep shooting the shit and talking business
1: yeah a quick debrief so i still feel like crap and i don't know if i told you but we, I was in St. Louis when this happens, which is 13 hours away. We were supposed to meet with Jake on like a Wednesday or Thursday or something. Something changed. Uh We had to do it on Sunday. He told us like 24 hours in advance. So I just drove back here Um and I got home at like, I drove through the night. I got home about 5 a.m. Oh, shit. Um, I had no idea. And then we did, we did the podcast at like, I forget which time, noon, maybe. Yeah. I was exhausted. I'm still exhausted. So I was. I hope. I, I hope it, it went over okay.
2: Well, yeah. I hope it turned out okay. I, I know that when we were talking to him live, there was like a little bit of a lag or like a delay just on his connection or something, and so that made it really hard. Maybe just remember like how much more fun this is to do in person than online. Yeah. Like I don't care how good these tools get. I don't care what Zoom is worth. Like doing the podcast in person is so much better than doing these online
1: speaking of which although actually let's talk about jake do you want to say anything i don't really have much to say i thought it went okay it went fine yeah exactly it, it was fine i, I would it say wasn't great it wasn't bad it was fine
2: yeah he uh you know he was like you know he took it seriously i thought he did a good job he was trying to like you know he he brought he brought like he brought it to the table what he you know what he had to bring to the table which was like yeah here's how i think about my business here's what i'm focused on here's some things that other influencers I think don't get right but here's what I think I'm I'm doing better or you know here's my here's how I think about it so I thought that was all good I thought a bunch I thought I was a little bit disappointed in, in a couple things one was Jeff's great I love Jeff but also there was questions where I want like tougher questions for Jake that Jeff would take for him
1: and I thought oh yeah Je- Jeff was totally blocking for him Yeah he
2: was blocking which I think you got to do if you know if that's your relationship you're like the business guy in the partnership so you're like okay I'll handle that question it's kind of like but it's the same thing. Like, you know, if you ask a CEO question and the PR person answers, you're like, no, no, I don't want to hear your answer. Like, I know your answer. Yeah. I want to hear that person's answer. And so that's the only thing where I felt like there were some times where I was like, shit, like, Jeff, I know you have a good, smart answer for all this. I want to hear what Jake thinks about that. Cause, you know, he's the interesting personality, frankly, of like, you know, uh, of why I was excited to do that it was like, I wonder how this dude who's totally different than me. Thinks about this type of stuff, whose life is totally different, right? You're one of the biggest YouTubers in the world, and um, you know you're going to have a different perspective than like me and Sam and, and Jeff, who's like, we're all kind of like the same, like kind of like tech entrepreneur.
1: What? Um, how much do you think Jake Paul? So, like, we I asked him about the Jake Paul, like h- how it's set up, and so basically, there's probably a he kind of said there's like a Jake Paul LLC, which probably most of the revenue is like youtube ad or brand revenue and then um then there's a variety of like i bet minor things so maybe his investments or something like that but how much do you think the jake paul media company earns a year in revenue and profit
2: oh, man it's hard to say i okay let's let's just take i didn't it.
1: bring this up to him even even though this is something everyone wants to know including myself i didn't feel uh, i wasn't
2: on that level yeah we're not I, talking about like that we, yet. We, um Okay. So like, if you just take YouTube, I'm sure people can do, you know, on the fly here, I'm not going to do the back of the envelope. Like how many monthly views does this video get? Okay. Then you assume a $5 CPM for his YouTube ad, you know, rev share. And then you say, okay, he has these sponsors. I think they are going to be seven figure, you know, I would say his media side of things should be bringing in about $10 million a year. That'd be my guess.
1: I was thinking a little bit more, but give or take, give or take, uh, no, uh, 15, 15, to twi- yeah. fifteen to
2: twenty. So I would say that's the that's the media side, which is his YouTube cut plus his the, his uh, issue
1: is that he's not entirely brand safe. Um, which right. there's no judgment there. I'm just that's probably the truth. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, and then I would say the boxing stuff is probably going to bring in about the same because they own a lot more of that. So even though the total pie is less. You know, they don't have – YouTube takes such a big cut that I think, you know, if comparatively I think his boxing stuff, I think if they're smart, they're doing it like Floyd Mayweather where they are the promoter. Um, so they're the promoter and they're the talent and they put on the show and then they they cut a licensing deal with Triller or whoever to uh, split the like pay-per-view buys on top of that. So I would guess their boxing stuff is going to bring in like $5 million to $10 million also um, and then on top of that is like anything else, you know, which is like – Maybe T-shirts, maybe merch, maybe uh, maybe other stuff. So I I feel like the whole. I bet you
1: they. I bet you. I bet you him and his brother sell collectively twenty to thirty million a year in merch.
2: Yeah, which is insane. I think his brother does does more. Uh, I think his brother is a bigger enterprise than than Jake is because that his brother has the impulsive podcast, which I think is like the number one podcast. uh, You know, or like it's like top ten or something like that. Because um, if, if you include like the YouTube views they get. So I think that podcast has turned into a big thing for them, and then Logan also has like Maverick as his brand and like his merch brand or whatever. And I think that that's like a, a stronger brand overall and has like a larger following than than what Jake has. That's my guess, but I'm not like I bet I don't you, follow them I bet professionally. You
1: he's- me neither, I, but I bet you he spends a ton of money. If I had a bet, <laughs> I would bet that the difference between like Jake Paul person and Jake Paul media is probably quite like every all every expense is probably media expense or the company expense, so it's not not the same or uh, not really different. I bet you he spends at least half a million a month.
2: That's a lot, uh, yeah. But he's got his crew, right? It's like all all right. celebrities. Yeah, you have a yeah, posse yeah. that rolls with you. It's like, all right, we're flying here, you know. Like they took a private jet after our podcast. He got on a private jet and flew to wherever they're going to do the fight uh, for fight week, and because he's got you know a big boxing match on Saturday. So, you know, the one thing I was going to ask you is, um, you know, whenever somebody meets a celebrity, I always ask, what's he, you know what's he like, what's she like, uh, which is. It doesn't really matter what you say. It's like the conversation is usually not typically that interesting. But it is interesting to be like, what's that person like in real life? So what was your impression? What's he like? Respectful,
1: kind of quiet, listened more than he talked. Um, he was just like a quiet a quiet young person. I mean, uh, he seemed confident enough, but he was very polite. In the podcast, on the podcast, Sean basically put me on the spot and was like, Oh, so Sam wants you to lose. And he handled it gracefully. Right. <laughs> so like, he, respectfully, like he didn't say like, Oh, you eff it suck. He didn't disrespect Ben at all. So I thought he was very, right. he was polite.
2: He didn't big time us. He, you know, which we've had that experience with other people who either come on the pod or we're trying to get on the pod. They'll, you know, people who are famous and have a bunch of like obligations and everybody wants a piece of their time. Everybody wants to have them interviewed or whatever. It's easy to kind of big time other people. I thought he was extremely respectful. Did not do that at all. Uh, you know, brought his you know a game to the table. I thought like, you know, this guy really is in some ways a marketing genius. Uh, like to build his self brand up the way he did is actually quite impressive. It's to me as impressive as building. You know, I don't know whatever. Uh, the brand of Jinko jeans or, you know, whatever. Like any brand that kind of like hits some po- po- pocket of culture. Well, let's
1: put this in context as well. I think he's 23. 24, yeah. Uh, she's 24. So I think before the podcast started, we were like, by the way, maybe we should put this segment like at the end. We or should the move it to that pod, of, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he said something like uh yeah we're, we're like do you do you invest he invests he goes yeah i've been angel investing since i was like 18 16. but i yeah. <laughs> is that what he said 16, like that. Yeah, but 16 he's like i have a pretty large real estate portfolio like i invested in real estate i'm like oh wow you're you've been doing this longer than i have and i'm 7 years older than you right. um so that's pretty amazing and you forget that you forget that like whenever i see lebron uh like young videos of LeBron when he, you know, his rookie year, because I like to watch like old YouTube clips of him doing stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's 19. He's got reporters in his face asking him like, you know, you you threw the towel and you were kind of disrespectful and, and he handled it with such poise answering that question. And I was like, what was I like when I was 19?
2: <laughs> yeah, I was a total shit. And head.
1: what was I like when I was Jake Paul, uh, 23 years old? It's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, there's videos of me goofing around, pranking people or trying to make funny YouTube videos when I was probably 16, 17 years old that, you know, I'd get canceled for today, right? Because I was just a dummy. I didn't know anything about anything. I couldn't handle like – any kind of serious conversation, I wasn't, I didn't have a real estate portfolio, you know, I wasn't that guy. And I think this type of, you know, getting, um, getting famous forces you to grow up one way or another. And also like a big part of it's who's around you. I'm pretty fascinated by all these like childhood celebrity, child celebrities. And it's like, you see that their dad is the manager. And then like, they get to kind of take advantage of by their best friend who stole from them. And like, this is so common. Like, that's not, it's not, it's not surprising when you hear that. It's like, Oh, yep. That's the pretty much par for the course here with athletes and musicians and child actors. Like that's just how it goes. And I would say the transition from like, A, platform to platform, right? Getting big on Vine. So go to new platform, get big there. Boom, move to YouTube. Then from YouTube, Instagram. Okay, so cool. You're building up your social following. Then it's like, all right. What got me famous was, you know, me being pranks and jokes and silly stuff. And then now, you know, Logan Paul's podcast is like actually like, more like real conversations, and they bring on you know crypto people, and they talk about investing, and they talk about this other thing. They bring on you know a porn star. And they'll talk about that. They'll talk about a wider variety of things. And then you, t- you go, then there it's like okay, so they stayed relevant on social media for a while, which is hard. Then transition to this boxing thing, which I think is kind of a genius move. This like celebrity boxing angle that they took because they're making a lot of money, and now they're like it's just like a different chapter. It's like they got off the daily vlogging treadmill, which every YouTuber burns out on. And they're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go train for nine months. I'm going to do a boxing match against this other YouTuber. Neither of us are really in any danger because we're both suck at boxing, but we're each going to pull down millions of dollars and do something different with our life. Right? It's like, oh, that's cool. Then it's like building businesses, starting a rolling fund. It's like continually reinventing yourself is interesting to me. I think if you, if you listen to like whenever we do Billy of the week, it's usually somebody who's reinvented themselves and three or four different chapters of their life that uh, is interesting. And this guy's, I thought that was kind of cool how he's done that. He didn't say any of those things, but just observe, when I was doing the research, I was kind of taken aback by, oh yeah, that's cool. He's already had like three, three to four pretty interesting chapters before the age of 25.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, yeah. I put my all in it like no days off On the road, let's travel, never looking back like- oh, yeah.